even though the place didn't seem ideal, we kind of took that as a sign, like, let's reverse this karma of this place. The fact that it was a butcher shop, I think, was a, a thing that pushed us to sign the lease on that place. Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saver. Hi, and welcome to episode 26 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Jerry Saver, and this is the podcast for you if you're looking for inspiration and ideas on how to get started or if you want to learn more about the skills to run a successful plant-based business. My guests on the show range from startup founders, business owners who've been around for years, and vegan investors who are supporting these ventures, and people with disruptive ideas who are moving us towards a plant-based future. If you want to hear more from the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show, you can find us both on iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. And if you're looking for more information, come visit our website, theplantbasedentrepreneur.com, and check out all the past guests that have been on the show. And speaking of guests, let's get started with today's interview. This week, I'm talking to the founder of Moo Shoes, Erika Kaberski. Now, I don't know if they are the oldest vegan shoe brand around, but they started their business back in 2001, which definitely puts them among the runners-up, at least in my book. Now, Moo Shoes has two brick-and-mortar stores, one in New York City and one in L.A., plus an online store with a huge selection of cruelty-free footwear and accessories for women and men, some of which they actually make themselves. So in this episode, we'll be talking about building a vegan shoe empire and how things have changed over the past two decades. Erica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. And um, just, I have to ask, are you the oldest vegan shoe brand around or... Is there any that are there any that are actually older than you? We are not the oldest. I, well, how I start, how I learned about vegan shoes, I learned about it from vegetarian shoes, which I believe has been around since the early '90s. Right. Yeah. They're they're in the UK, right? They are in the UK. Yeah. 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 Brighton. And as somebody, I stopped wearing leather at a very young age, and I was always on the search for non-leather shoes, and it was very hard to find them. And then I came across vegetarian shoes when. Um, the late 90s, and I remember being so excited and booking a trip to England, basically just to visit vegetarian. Okay, <laughs> cool. So before we get to the shoes, um, how about your your background and your reasons for, for getting into, into veganism? Yeah, I went vegetarian when I was eight. I'm from Queens, and before that, I basically the only non-human animals I knew were dogs and cats and pigeons. And then I met my first cow when I was eight years old, and I had my aha moment, realizing that the hamburgers that I probably enjoyed for lunch that day were made out of this cow that I was now petting, and just felt that very... That probably wasn't in Brooklyn, right? No, this was... Um, we, my father is Israeli. We were visiting his family in Israel. Okay. And then you went vegetarian when you were eight. Was yeah. was your family also veg friendly, or how did it take that from a kid, really? I was the first one to go vegetarian, but they. I was very lucky that they completely understood my decision. And you know, I they, I grew up in a house we loved animals, in that we were constantly taking in stray dogs or um, that kind of stuff. So it was somehow it was ingrained in me somewhere. Um, and then when I stopped eating meat, my sister. Sarah, who I have issues with, um, stopped soon after. And then actually 
my mom just decided to make the whole house vegetarian because she just thought it would be easier for meals. And I think deep down she knew it was the right thing to do. That's really cool. So you basically, from a decision of an eight-year-old, the, the whole household went, went plant-based. It's basically the only decision that I've never made and totally stuck to. So, <laughs> Oh, that's a big one. So <laughs> it counts for a lot. So what, uh, at what point did you get into veganism then? Was it just gradual or? Um, yeah, so I was young and didn't quite, you know, obviously didn't know that much. Um, and then a couple of years, maybe two years after that, my brother brought it to my attention. You know, maybe kind of just being that older brother trying to get me thing was like, well, you know, you don't want to eat cows, but you're wearing them on your feet. So he, he's the one who then, so then I stopped wearing leather after that. But I, and then in high school, my sister, who was already vegetarian, was in college at the time, and she was starting to learn what veganism was and brought the information back to me. And then once I knew, I couldn't unknow. So towards the end of high school, I went vegan. And were you, because apparently your brother brought it up with the shoes, were you already thinking about doing something in that direction at that point? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we, we really were. I mean, it was always this thing that we talked about from, I mean, you could, if you asked any of my friends from high school, they would ask me what I wanted to do. And I say, I want to open a vegan shoe store, not really knowing what that entailed, just knowing that I wanted to do it. And you, you opened up in 2001. We did open in 2001. Yeah. yeah, that was right after I graduated college. How was that? And I mean, in 2000, well, both. How was it opening a vegan shoe store and how was it opening one back then? I learned a lot very quickly. Um, you know, I went into it a little naive, just thinking, well, obviously there's a demand for it. I want it. So not, <laughs> and at the time, um, you know, I only knew a handful of vegans and all of them were from college. And so I I really, other than my sister, didn't even know one vegan living in New York, but just knew that they were out there. I knew that I, if I built it, they would come or they would hopefully come. <laughs> and, you know, we started out really, really small. It was just me and my sister. We didn't have any other employees working there. And it was just, it was a really great learning experience. And also very, it was a very big time commitment and something that I'm glad I was young and had the energy to do back then. I learned so much and it was such a, all the people that I'm friends with now, I've met so many people through doing it and the vegans were there. That, that part I was right about. Yeah. So I got to meet so many and so many, there were, I, we received a lot of support early on. So that was the great thing about it. And, you know, I'm just trying to understand how you get into that. Did, did you have anyone in your family who'd run a store before or what what were your parents doing how, how did you even get that idea that yeah i want to own a store my father my father really did give us a lesson of he really kind of always encouraged us to take risks with this kind of stuff and i mean i just remember him saying because i remember us putting off the opening and knowing that we had a space in mind and we were renovating and renovating so we kind of opened with very little fear because the word him because he said the worst thing that'll happen is it won't work and then you'll move on to something else so i really appreciate his encouragement with that and again it was just about but his, but his advice was also start really small and be prepared to work really long hours and that's what we did how did you grow then i mean 
because actually before that, when you started, where where were your shoes coming from? Were you making some yourself back then or did you just get in touch with, with other suppliers? Um, yeah, back then we were just getting them from other sources, um, a lot from vegetarian shoes. Um, there were other European companies we were getting them from. And, you know, we like what I think about when we opened our doors, how many styles we had versus how many we have to offer now. It's so different. When we opened our doors, we just took the 25 styles that we were able to get our hands on and just spread them as far across the shelves as we could. But now it's grown so much. Like we, I think we opened with 25 styles and now we have close to 200 styles that wow. we can offer people. Yeah. So it's really grown a lot. We just listen to our customers, you know, like we... Mm -hmm. Since we were always there, we were, whatever they were demanding, we were just trying our best to find. That did result in us eventually starting our own line of shoes, just so we could have a little more control of that. Yeah. Um, do you know this, like, with with the growth, how, has it been linear for you, or has it been as with pretty much all the rest of vegan businesses and brands out there exponential in the last couple of years? We experienced a lot of growth early on, which was really exciting for us. Like we just kept our numbers were really increasing at a really exciting rate. And then, you know, people were still encouraged by our brand, but we weren't seeing the increase that we did at the beginning. We took that as a sign that we had to um, look at what we were doing. And so that, that's the kind of stuff that encouraged us to look for other stuff and offer more in our store and make more out of our store. And we started doing more events and just being more in touch with our community. And then we did start to see a growth again. Yeah. You know, we get a little more into the technical financial side of actually opening a store. Did you self-fund all of this or did you borrow money from someone? Did, did you get any outside funding when, when you were opening up? Yeah, we, um, we had one very small loan, but we were self-funding with a very small loan. Awesome. Yeah, and I mean, there were so many things went, that went into that decision, you know, where, where we opened, it wasn't exactly ideal for what we were trying to do, but the rent was the ideal price. So there were just a lot of things that we considered, and, you know, we kept our inventory small, and obviously our labor costs very small. Because if, if I got that right from your website, you actually, you originally opened up in an old butcher shop. Yeah, that, that is true. I mean, and that's kind of the thing that even though the place didn't seem ideal, we kind of took that as a sign, like, let's reverse this karma of this place. Yeah. The fact that it was a butcher shop, I think, was the, the thing that pushed us to sign the lease on that place. <laughs> nice. So you, you went from 25 styles to over 200. And how many brands do you have right now? I would say we probably have at least... 30 different brands and I would say that's just shoes but we've like expand, we've expanded into other things and yeah I mean probably we have about 50 brands of things in our store at any given time and are, are they all vegan or you're also carrying brands that are not you know exclusively vegan but they do make vegan products right yes yeah we do that's something that was also really exciting for us when we first opened our store we went to these big trade shoe shows and we would go around and asking these big companies, do you have anything vegan? And they would look at us like they have wanted nothing to do with us. 
But then as the years have gone on, it's just so amazing to see how many mainstream brands now have their vegan line just out of demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we we recently just started Birkenstocks recently again started making a vegan line and it's they're doing amazingly well. So and I think they're realizing that. So that's really exciting for everyone. Yeah. How about your line? I mean, I'd really like to know more about that. When did it get started? How did it get started? Yeah, we well, our line of shoes is Dovacas, um, which means no cow mm-hmm. in Spanish and Portuguese. We started our line back in 2003 or four. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, at first it was just something we were just doing. It was just a small thing that we were doing at the beginning just because, you know, it wasn't as easy to get our hands on so many shoes to stock our store with. So basically, for us, it was something that we could just have more control of our inventory. So we started, again, I keep saying this, but I think that's just the name of what we did. We started really small. I mean, we were producing, you know, at first. I think our first production was less than 50 pairs of shoes just to see how it would go. And we were very lucky that people were very receptive. But then, you know, we honestly didn't know that much about shoemaking. So it was a lot of learning for us and learning much more. And we we learned a lot more about materials and different things that go into shoemaking. So we did it 2003 or four, and it's still going. Um, We make them, we produce them in Portugal Mm -hmm. um, because another thing that was important to us was where the shoes were made. And so we knew we knew for our own brand, it was very important to us to have them European made. And also just using the right materials. And like, we knew that we wanted people to, when they bought vegan shoes, to not judge them and want them to be the highest quality possible. That became all very important to us. How did you decide for Portugal? All the places and was that the initial location that that you picked portugal just kept coming up as a place where they did a lot of it and then you know by visiting portugal we learned that before all the production moved to asia portugal was one of the top three producers of shoes in the world and so they still had a lot of shoe factories there and so it was just the the first place that we found in the first factories that actually were willing to work with us you know like we were getting in touch with as many factories as we could get and a lot of them were afraid to deal with vegan shoes so and we were just lucky that finally the people who were willing to give us a try just ended up being the people that we still work with to this day that was the production side how about the the materials we definitely got a crash course in materials and just learning what materials we wanted best because you know, at the end of the day, not all synthetics are made the same. So we, um, so we started researching materials, and you know, of course, we wanted to research the, the eco side of things, and we didn't want to just obviously vegan is very important to us, but you know, we we didn't want to have we didn't want to use materials that were very hazardous to the environment. And so we started looking into what our most biodegradable options were. And we came across, there was a lot of material being made in Italy. So all of our materials now, I believe, yes, we use all Italian-made synthetic microfibers. There's no vinyl in them, which is, you know, the stuff that's sometimes and incidentally vegan shoes. Um, That's the stuff that, like, 
really isn't very good for the environment and also terrible quality. That's just, you know, mm-hmm. when people complain that vegan shoes crack or stuff like that, that's because of that material. So we just started making all of our shoes with this Italian microfiber that we found. Um, and what people don't realize is that these materials are as high quality as leather and so can cost as much as a high quality leather shoe. Um, and then I think another thing to realize is that, you know, we're, it's not just vegans using these materials, it's other shoe manufacturers who use them because of their performance. So these are really good. Yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to, to Joshua Catcher of Brave Gentleman. I, I think he's actually the, the first shoe he did. You guys did it together, right? Yeah, we actually have all, all of his shoes we, he makes. We collaborate on those. Oh, nice. He's got a very good eye for exactly what he wants. He definitely he definitely has that eye for detail. Yeah, that, that guy has an eye for style. That That's for sure. When I was talking to Joshua, he he's really excited about all the future materials, as as he calls them. So I wanted to check with you: where do you see the biggest opportunities in terms of plant-based or animal-free materials for for shoemaking? You know, probably the most popular alternative that people are using now is Pinatex, um, which is a the pineapple, pineapple yeah, and that's definitely something we're excited to be using we definitely we don't have it on any of our shoes yet but we have other manufacturers who are using it so we definitely have shoes in our store that are using it and it's it's really good looking um and then there i on the horizon i've heard that they're trying to work on mushroom yeah that that sounds really exciting and i can't wait to see what happens with that yeah i've been actually trying to get someone from from the manufacturers or, or the teams that are working on mushroom leather to to come on the show but i haven't had any luck so far but it's definitely one of those materials that seem to have a lot of potential because mushrooms they they pretty much grow anywhere right yeah i might be wrong about this but i think they grow very easily so it sounds like a really great alternative i mean from what i've heard that it's maybe they have the technology to do baths and that kind of stuff, but maybe the shoe technology isn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. It's the feedback that I've gotten. That's definitely one of the things to, to keep an eye on. I'd yeah, say. I'll be looking out for it. Cool. So um, tell me one thing. Now, you said that when when you were started, the local vegan community was was there and that the response was really good. How did your customer base grow and expand first when we opened we did some advertising in like local new york papers but we found that mostly advertising and animal rights based publications was what worked for us the most and we were just really lucky that i mean i think it's i don't know if it's a vegan thing i don't know if it's in every community but it was just once one vegan knew about it every you know it was a domino effect 10 they would tell more vegans and so then we just became this place. We were also lucky to be in New York City. So we are, you know, New York City happens to be a popular destination. And so we would get not even just people who lived in New York, but people who are visiting would just make us a stop on their New York vegan tour. Um, and then, yes, we were very lucky to do it that way. You know, we worked very hard, very early on, on our website. When we first opened our store in 2001, 
online shopping had really only just begun. And so we were lucky enough to get into that right away. And so we really were able to tell more people about us that way and be able to get more of our shoes into more people's hands that way. We used that a lot at the beginning. And and then, yes, and then we also started using our space as not just a store, but also as a way to be in touch with our community and hosting events with different authors or different food vendors or other clothing brands. Um, so it was just also, that was just a way of encouraging people to visit us, not just for shoes, but for fun too. And then keep us in mind next time you need shoes. So we just did a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, vegans as, as a community, we, we do tend to find out about new vegan places and products really fast and then share that information very fast as well. You know, what I wanted to ask you about the, the customer base as well was, you know, how right now, if, if we're talking vegan food, the customers, the, the potential clients, the most potential aren't vegans, but flexitarians or people that aren't necessarily 100% vegan, but they're definitely open to to plant-based food items. Is there anything similar going on in in the shoe space or in the fashion space so that you have people who aren't necessarily ethical vegans, but they know that if they support vegan business, if they get some vegan items, they are doing good for, for the environment and for the animals. Yeah, people are just becoming more aware. So even if somebody is not a strict vegan, they have learned maybe about the environmental implications of the meat industry. And then you read more and then you learn, you know, and a lot of people these days are trying to avoid factory farms, whether or not they, you know, I'm like, just avoid all meat. But, um, but they're, they're starting someplace and a lot of people are starting with factory farms. And I think what, and then if you research that more, you start to realize that leather, it really isn't just a byproduct. Factory farms profit so much from selling hides of the animal. And so basically like when you buy leather shoes, you are directly supporting factory farms, which is again, something people are very aware of these days. Um, we've heard so many people's stories who they approach veganism from a health perspective, but you know, as you're learning the information, of course, all the ethical side creeps in and you can't, you can't unlearn it and you can't unsee it. And, um, so we've definitely had a lot of customers who never knew that they would be shopping for vegan shoes, um, just because they, they knew it was right for their health. And now, now they are ethical vegans as as well as health vegans. Yeah, and let, let's not forget that from the environmental side, leather is not just hugely damaging because it's a by, well, it's a product of the meat industry. The whole leather tanning industry is hugely detrimental to the environment. It's terrible, you know, it's terrible to the people who live in the areas, it's most terrible to the workers um, who work in those places and it's one of the most toxic things that we do, yeah. which is saying a lot because we do a lot of toxic things. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is the biggest selling point for, for vegan footwear right now? Is it cruelty-free? Is it environmental? Um, you know, I hear a lot of people using terms like eco-conscious, eco-fashion, 
and just so I think people are coming at it from that perspective a lot. Mm-hmm. I would think that is definitely where we're seeing the most people being attracted to it. Like you were saying, we have customers who maybe half the shoes they buy are leather, but then they're having some sort of awakening. So they will, even if they haven't fully stopped buying leather shoes, they're still coming to check us out to see maybe, maybe this time I'm going to buy vegan shoes instead of the leather ones that I was going to buy. And for us, then, you know, it's all about having shoes that, everyone likes because then we have a fair amount of customers who just like what we sell and that's why they're buying our shoes so for every one of those reasons we're here and we'll sell vegan shoes to anyone (laughs) (laughs) good how do people normally find out about you right now I'm, i'm imagining that your marketing is not limited to to cruelty free publications anymore marketing has just gone in such a different direction now than it used to that we don't do as much print advertising as we once did we do rely a lot on our social media Um, and so I would say actually most of our marketing is via our social media outlets and also connecting with other brands and partnering up with them and we'll tell our, our followers about you if you tell your followers about us and a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, doing like different collaborations like the one we're doing with Joshua and just both of us using our voices to get both of our brands known. Mm-hmm. How about the, the sales? What's the percentage of sales that comes from your online efforts and your online store and uh, from your brick and mortar stores? I used to be able to say it was really 50-50, um, but I think recently it has become a bit more online sales. Um, I would say now it's probably... 60-40 or maybe even 65-35. Mm-hmm. It's just how people are used to shopping these days. You know, we definitely will get online yeah. orders from people who live 10 blocks away. Just, <laughs> just for a bit. Sure. Easiness of that. 60-40, that goes for both your stores, both on the East and the West Coast? Yeah, our store in New York is a little bigger, so we're able to stock more. So we sell a bit more in our New York store. And you've actually, you've expanded to um, to include food there. Well, not inside the store, but you <laughs> you have another store right next to it, right? Yeah, we do. We recently, three months ago, we opened Orchard Grocer, which is a um, gross, um, all-vegan grocer, palm oil-free, and New York-style deli. And, be, you know, and again, we did that. that. That goes back to us just listening to our customers and probably... Right after the question after what are these shoes are made out of is the number two question is where do I go eat after here? So (laughs) that was basically just our response to what our customers wanted. And now we could just say, go right next door. That's the perfect strategy. (laughs) Um, Well, it's definitely been again, you know, we've had these shoes for a while. And I had said at the beginning that was quite a steep learning curve. And I'm learning now. in another steep learning curve so but it's great what were some of the biggest things or the biggest challenges that that you've had to overcome and stuff that you had to learn when when you were starting with this you know for us i think it was about not taking things too personally and realizing that i think when we opened our store maybe we were only having selling styles that maybe appealed to us and the people we knew, but just learning that there's a much greater 
vegan world out there and so just trying to appeal to all walks of life and all different needs so that was that was something that we learned and then you know also just realizing that feedback isn't is constructive criticism and not and shouldn't be taken the wrong way instead of being upset about it just listening and changing things to make it better from it yeah. inventory management we've never <laughs> we're never going to have a complete hold on that so um, you know and then I think it was a lot of just realizing that there's a lot to running a business a lot of not so glamorous things but like what well you know you besides know besides inventory of I'll, course yeah <laughs> inventory be the most unglamorous of the things but you know it's big shipments come you that that's that's you unloading those trucks you know and you know and that's you going up and down the stairs helping customers and you have to want to do that and you know you're you're dealing with all the stuff that it takes to run a business so if something goes wrong you're going to be the first one they call and you have to be ready to take that call at any time of the day and um just wanting to take that on you know i by having your own business you never really clock out so just realizing that you're always available and you have to want to be available to do it yeah what what is it that gets you through all this what's your personal drive i'm an ethical vegan and so you know having being an ethical vegan and having an ethical vegan business of course i can complain about the the little things and all the annoyances that that means but how that i'm i know how lucky i am that i get to you know, I get to work with the people I love. I get to work with the people I respect. Um, and I get to constantly meet new people that I respect. So that's, that's definitely what gets me through. Speaking of people that you work with, how many people do you have working with you right now? What What's your team size? Um, at Moose Shoes or? Overall, actually, because it would be interesting to know how many people you have in store and then how what's the size of the team that you have working on your online store and doing fulfillments and all that you know the people who work on our brick and mortar stores also run our online store as well and so including our los angeles store and our new york store do fully count in that so we have about 12 people working at moose shoes and then we have about 20 people working at the orchard grocer wow so the Orchard Grocer is actually a larger business in terms of employees than... Uh, yeah, you know, um, food production takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Nice. And how many cats? <laughs> we have two cats right now. Yeah. We've had up to five. I think two is a good number because, of course, we're, we we love cats as, like, like I'm sure a lot of your listeners do. But you have to also want to be a store that maybe people, everybody wants to come in. And so two cats seems like the right number where people are not overwhelmed, but still excited to see them. Mm -hmm. How do you manage that with all the boxes lying around? I just, I have to ask that. <laughs> not, they love it. I mean, it's, it's funny you say that. I, all of our customers love it. The second they, it's like clockwork. They come to check out and. If they're leaving their shoebox behind, they put it right next to the register, and within 10 seconds, one of our cats creeps into that box. And of course, I mean that, that's <laughs> what cats do. They they know where to go. I mean, you know, don't worry about the fancy cat beds we 
got in them. They don't care about those, but a cardboard box any day. Nice. Very cool. So um, tell me if we just take a look into the future now with with your experience or well let's let's take a look at the past right now in in terms of business and demand in general what what are the biggest changes that you've seen since you've opened this basically that the demand is just bigger and how quickly fashion changes and it's not just about having a vegan alternative it's about having a vegan alternative that people like and want to wear and feel proud to wear so it's it's just really you know what we it's like it's about keeping up with what not even just what vegans are looking for but what everyone is looking for because vegans are everyone else and so that's something that we learn and then our website again i keep coming back to that but just constantly figuring out ways to make things more available that way and and then it's also really important to us customer services number one you know like we want you to come into the store and i know i love our staff and our staff is just realizing that you know just back to like when i went all the way to vegetarian shoes how excited i was not forgetting that even though that was so many years ago that there's still somebody out there who this is going to be the first time they walk into a vegan shoe store so just us realizing that and us acknowledging that experience for them and making it a very positive one. How was that trip you took to, to England to, to vegetarian shoes? How many pairs did you get? Oh, as many as I had in my size. <laughs> and, I mean, I mean, maybe I had to buy an extra suitcase. I don't know. Who remembers? <laughs> no, I definitely did have to buy an extra suitcase. And, and those shoes are great. I still actually have some of those shoes. Another thing that I really wanted to, to ask you before I forget, do, do you design the shoes that you create with Novakas as well? How does that process look? Yeah, we do. We, I mean, for us, Novakas is a very classic. So with the styles that we keep there are pretty classic and just our own little personal takes on styles that, you know, already exist, but just adding our little personal touches to them. We visit the factories once a year and just talk with the manufacturers about the different things we want to do and we get samples and we work from there. Yeah. So um, this is kind of going into the future question because I, I wanted to know your um, opinion on the biggest opportunities in, in terms of vegan shoes. But I just want to lead into it by um, mentioning that, well, you've probably seen the, the Kickstarter campaigns that do really well for like formal dress shoes, right? I mean, I just yeah. saw one the other day that's, I think it was aiming for 200,000 and it had like a million and a half in, in backing. And those are formal dress shoes, handmade with leather, obviously. But how do you think would that work if you put up a Kickstarter campaign with fancy dress shoes with non-leather materials? Do you think that would fly? You know, we, we've definitely tried a lot of different price points at our store. And I think we've discovered what our sweet point is. Unfortunately, when we do have like higher price points, it's the one thing people always tend to notice and then maybe just think, just make a judgment that your that veganism is too expensive and that's why I can't do it. Um, so we definitely try to offer a range of prices. And I think people are, 
they're willing to spend a lot for quality, but maybe they're more looking for a shoe that they could wear every day. You know, our customers mm-hmm. will spend much more money on a pair of boots that they can wear every day more than maybe a very fancy pair of shoes. Yeah. I'm sure the right person could do it. I mean, you know, there is Stella McCartney and um, her clientele definitely isn't, I wouldn't say her clientele is like all vegans. It's just people who really like the styles that she's putting out there. And I don't even know if the, the fact that they're vegan even register with a lot of them. Yeah, because I, I think that's like the the ultimate test when your customers don't even, well, maybe they don't even realize that they're buying vegan shoes. We're not hiding <laughs> what we're doing here, you know, but, you know, some people just go around and we have little things around that if you're paying attention, you kind of can catch on pretty quickly. Um, but we've definitely had people who've made it all the way up to the register and then all of a sudden that's when they'll see something. And then they'll say, why are you promoting vegans? You know, like you're selling leather shoes and then you could talk to them about that. And then hopefully that purchase will lead them to make more purchases. And hopefully actually that purchase will make them go home and just um, do some searches on vegan and come to their own conclusions as to why we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that that's probably an interesting conversation to have with the cash register. <laughs> Yeah, you know, because you wanna you wanna keep it light and fun because it is it is shopping, but you know you also we don't want to forget why we're doing it. Yeah. So now, if we track back to my original question, what what do you think are the biggest opportunities in terms of vegan shoes? Like, do do you see anything that's still underrepresented or or missing in the market? I have more leather now and. 25 years. So for me, I, I, I don't think there is anything left because of just maybe that's just because of from where I came from and how little I had back then. But I honestly, I, I really, I wholeheartedly don't believe that there is anything missing. I think there is a vegan alternative to everything at this point. I don't necessarily believe people when they, um, when they tell me they can't be vegan because of this or that, you know, I, I, me that they're not really trying (laughs) and I think there is something for everyone and there is a style that'll appeal to everyone and it's a great time to explore the lifestyle what I'm really trying to get to here is if someone was thinking about starting a new vegan shoe brand where where would you point them like you know sneakers women's shoes men's shoes outdoor shoes kids shoes what what do you think would be the the best way to go i mean we definitely have um a lot more women's shoes there are a lot there are a lot more available women's shoes so men's shoes are always we're always on the search for other men's shoes alternatives out there so i think that's a good place to start and yeah i mean i definitely think maybe you know i think we're place where we could maybe a place where we could see a little more of an increase is the different colors that are available you know a lot of the colors it tends to be a lot of black and browns and if someone could figure out a way maybe to bring some more color into the vegan shoe world that would probably be exciting to mm-hmm. a lot of people and then i think what we were talking about before you know we we're always looking for a more eco alternative so we're always seeking out companies that are making a eco effort or 
Um, so I think that's, you know, like if we, if I, if somebody was to start a company now, I'd really want to know that they thought about that side of it and thought about the manufacturing side of it. And, you know, just being incidentally vegan isn't necessarily enough. And, um, but looking into the materials that you use and where you're making them, that's the kind of stuff we look for. So having the whole package, not, not just vegan, but making sure it's all sustainable and, and eco-friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so now, Erica, we're going to start wrapping this up. And I've got another question that usually comes out as quite loaded because it's about the kind of future that you envision, not just for the shoes, but for the world, if mm -hmm. we keep going in this direction that you're helping build. What, what's your best case scenario vision of it? For me, it's just about people trying it. And I'm amazed every day by how many people I meet who... Just when I think I've met every single vegan in New York, you know, someone else comes in. So it's just about getting in at a very grassroots level and listening to where everybody is coming from and making veganism accessible to everyone. I think that's a really important thing. And it's not just for a certain kind of person. It, it's appealing to everyone. So, you know, obviously, like I came at it from an ethical standpoint, but trying to approach people from an environmental standpoint or something else that will resonate with them. The numbers are going in our direction. I just, the numbers grow so much every day. I'm just amazed by how many people are giving this lifestyle a try and, and then sticking with it. And so that's where I see us growing, you know, and it just, I think it's about us, us constantly advocating for the lifestyle that we're living and finding our way to do that. You know, obviously you don't want to just have arguments with your family all the time, but, you know, just listening to where they're coming from and trying to feed them with information. To me, it's just about increasing the numbers. And I think we could, we could do a lot by doing that. Yeah, we, we definitely can do a lot by, by doing that. that. That's great. Cool. Erica, to, to wrap this up. We, we've talked about the, the online store quite a bit today. Um, where, where can our listeners go to learn about Mushu's, all, all the styles that you have on offer right now and, and order a pair for themselves? Um, yeah, please do visit us at Mushu's, M-O-O-S-H-O-E-S.com. And then you could also follow us on social media um, at Mushu's underscore NYC or at Mushu's LA. And that is where you'll see um, the newest stuff we have. And it's uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, which which is which. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Hey, Erica, thank you so much for a doing what you've been doing for the last 15 years. I, I think this is amazing and it's amazing how much you've grown in, in this time and how much the whole thing is growing. And um, thank you for joining me today and, and sharing all the, the info. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. And your show is great. I, I listened to you about three or four episodes just yesterday. So <laughs> Happy to hear that. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Have an awesome day, okay? Yeah, you too. Thank you again. Right. So that was Erika Kaberski, the founder of Moose Shoes in episode 26 of the Plan-Based Entrepreneur Show. 
if you're itching to go check out all the products they have in their online store or if you want to learn more about any of the things we mentioned in this interview, remember that we always take all the show notes for you and you can find them on our website. If you go to theplantbasedentrepreneur.com forward slash show forward slash episode 026. If you head on over there, you'll also notice that we have our first plant-based entrepreneur insider report available for download. So this is a free report on the seven biggest business opportunities in the plant-based space right now with an analysis of the competition, the funding requirements and ease of entry. So like I said, head on over to theplantbasedentrepreneur.com and grab your copy today. Now, before we wrap this up, I want to thank everyone who's been sending in their comments. I always love hearing what kind of impact plant-based business has in your life. So if you've got anything you'd like to share, anything at all, you can always reach me directly by email on jerry at theplantbasedentrepreneur.com. Just drop me a line and tell me if you have any suggestions or questions about the show or vegan business in general. Now, this brings us to the end of yet another episode. I'll talk to you again next week. And until then, stay awesome. And remember, the future is plant-based.